Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 71 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. I am Sean Hannon, joined as always by the lovely and wonderful and handsome, charming Ben Husong. How did I do? I feel like you oversold me, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I can't live uh, up to any of that. I want to welcome another live show here of uh, Sports, Clicks, and Politics. Uh, before I forget, like I did the last two shows, if uh, all the wonderful audience out there, you could uh, take the time right here to... Like this video, share this video, tell all your friends and uh, family about this video or the show in general, right? You can subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell. You'll get notified when we get uh, release new content. And if you're listening to the audio version, please leave a uh, five-star rate and review. And uh, that helps us with the what, Mr. Hewson? It helps with the algorithms, Mr. Hannon. Thank you. You're welcome. So on that note, we do have a lot to get to cover to... Uh, a little bit of sports, a little bit of clicks, and a little bit of politics. All over the board How today. was your weekend? My weekend was really good. Okay, well, that's good. Really Th- good. Like, show-worthy good? Like, uh, interesting tidbits for the audience? No, just okay, really just, nice weekend with family and just friends. Just happiness? Yes. That's great. Really nice weekend all the way around. Yeah, well. How about you? How was your weekend? I mean, my work, my weekends are always work weekends. That's why I never ask you about them. No, it's, I mean, I, I always have a good time at work. I have a very... Uh, uh, much different than my previous employer, where I had 300 regulars. This one, every single party's a Brand different new. group, and it's a wholly different show from beginning to end, awesome. and it's just a different thing, right? And they so, say variety is the spice of life. I guess. I mean, my bartenders like my they're the gig, man. They make a lot of money. I can tell you that. All right. Well, that's important. So, yeah. Um, so we had this a, transitory inflation sticks around for a little <laughs> bit. We're all going to need more money. Well, I mean, my liquor costs are going up, so. Uh, shocking. So, um. But thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll get into those show topics here uh, uh, shortly here. Uh, I don't know. This was kind of a weird week because of, uh, I feel like the Alec, we're going to touch on the Alec Baldwin thing, but I feel like that took over the whole everything, right? I, it Which is kind of weird. I mean, it's a sad story, and we'll get into it, but right. um, it's weird how those kind of stories end up being the headline for way longer than I think more important stories are. How about that? I think uh, maybe not more important, but more large-scale impact than that story of, like, a, if nothing else. What is the measure of importance if it's not I- impact? Well, I mean, to the person that it happened to, it's hugely important. Well, sure. Like, it's it's a huge story, and it's a good reminder on the absolute imperative nature of the fundamentals of gun safety, and they should never be ignored because stuff does go wrong. Yeah. And there's the reason that you have all these rules for gun safety is for checks and balances. It's so that if one process breaks down, you're following all of them so that this doesn't happen. But when you disregard all of them because you're relying on one of them to hold up, that's when stuff goes wrong. And so, you know, we'll get into that. Yep. Some more details. Um, well, we get to touch on some of our, our you know, we get to touch on Bitcoin. Fun. Little COVID. Little vaccine mandates. Less fun. Yeah. All right. Let's, I don't talk NFL. Yeah, let's start with there. That's fun. I know neither one of our teams played this week, right? Bills were off too, right? That's right. Yeah, so not really all that. And I work Sunday, so um, I did get to see. I, uh, I don't know if this is a. Uh, uh, it's not an authorized uh, promotion of this artist, but we have uh, had the uh, pleasure of having a local uh, musician. Her name is Sydney Irving. Play at our place two times in the last month, and okay. she's 
unbelievable. So really, um, she's 18. She's from Marcellus area, I believe. Yep. And she kills it. And it's awesome. I, yeah. She's, uh, she plays a lot out at like, she's, I think she's under contract with turning stone or something. So she plays at all their, their venues and stuff, but I don't know. I expect big things from her, but anyway, so Good. that's what my Sunday was spent watching Sydney Irving and not NFL was why I went there. Um, and the Steelers and the bills didn't play. So there was no reason for me to, uh, kind of additionally pay in, pay into this. But my fantasy uh, team had a, had a play this week regardless. So any initial takeaways from uh, week seven? I may have been underestimating the problems facing the Chiefs. Not was, saying they're I bad. Gonna, I was going to bring that up if they were still in your top five or not. <laughs> okay. Uh, Go ahead. It. It's hard to argue that one. They yeah. got they got shellacked by yeah. a very good Tennessee team. Yeah, I, you know, and we'll get into this, but they were the, the Tennessee was the team that I was like, can I make an argument for them to be in the in the top five? But then I they lost to the Jets, so I just. You know what I mean? How do you lose to the Jets and beat the Bills know. and Chiefs? I don't know. The NFL's go, weird. So, sorry, but go back to your uh, takes there. Uh, that was number one. Was all right. I, I the problems are bigger than I wanted to acknowledge. Let's put it that way. Um, the Jets are somehow worse than I thought they were, which I I'm blown Other away than when they play the Titans. I, I mean, obviously, or just you know, every now and then the the sun shines on a dog's rear end. Yeah, sure. Um, that was that was a takeaway for sure from this week. Um, the Falcons came out on the other side of a, of a one possession game for the first time. What seems like in you know the last three years, and other than turning that, point, a turning point for the Falcons. How confident are you that that's going to hold up? <laughs> not very. No, I'm not either. Go ahead. I'm going to go back to the sunshine and the dogs. Yeah, rear end again. Um, other than that, it's a, a lot of it. I wasn't overly blown away by the the Bucks won big as they should have. Yeah, a lot the, of the top teams just won convincingly. The right? way that they should have yeah, won. Right. There wasn't there wasn't the huge like oh my god the Jets beat the Titans. How did this happen right. this week? Not not that I saw anyway. No, I, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway was exactly the one you thought that the Chiefs maybe aren't as good as we thought they were kind of thing. I think the problems are bigger than what I I don't know that they have an answer for their problems right now, and that's that doesn't mean they're a bad team, but. When you look at the quality of teams between the Cardinals, Bucks, Bills, Packers, Titans, um, I mean, luckily they're in the AFC, so they. I think they're going to have. I mean, I think they're going to be in the playoffs. Like, I don't know. You're going to take. The, I, you're going to take the Super Bowl losing uh, jinx. Uh, I'm into, not saying it yet. Okay, I'm saying I'm not. It's not a given because their division's also quite good. Very good. So they've got good teams in their division across the board, and they got to play each of them twice. Whereas the Bills got to play the Patriots, Jets, and Dolphins twice each. Same reason the Dolphins, or excuse me, the Patriots always had the first round by. Nobody ever talked about this. Was because for a decade the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins couldn't comprise a winning record. Like ten years straight, that was six of the Patriots games. They were basically going to go five and one, worst case scenario. I Whereas mean, it's not a given for the Chiefs in this scenario. Sure, and and like you said, I mean they they would be on the outside looking in if the uh, playoffs were to start in week seven, which right. obviously they don't. But and um, it's a good thing, yeah. Uh, they're not that far out of the playoffs though. No, either. of course so, not. I mean it's obviously it's still early, but it I, I do think that the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs with a question mark, is the the the. A newsworthy thing going forward here, but let's get to the, the yeah. power five because we got a bunch of good stuff to talk about, and I want to—I don't think there's really too much uh, dispute over much of this. So I have Arizona again, number one. Tampa Bay moved up to number two. I don't know if they were number two last week after the Bills lost, right? So they're still number two. I have Green Bay number three. Okay. I have the Rams Hard number argue. four, and where I was contemplating was uh, the Dallas and the Titans. I was trying to figure out if the Cowboys and the Titans and which one of those were going to be there, but the, the Jets loss was just too 
to I couldn't overcome it. And obviously Dallas, I think that do they play tonight? No. Tonight is the Saints and the Seahawks. Oh, like so Dallas was off too this week. Dallas is off as well this week. All right. So there's my top five. Um I think the majority of the top is pretty clear cut, so I'm not really breaking any much news there. No, I think that was that was fairly uh predictable, yeah. I guess is the right yeah. word here. Yeah. Uh, on the bottom side of things, the Jets are still the worst team in the NFL. I, I supplanted the Jaguars because they finally won a game, and I feel good for them. And the Jets, now Zach Wilson's going to be out two to four weeks. Like It's only going to get uglier from here, boys and girls. The Jags are still the second worst team in the NFL, in my estimation. Uh, the third worst team would be the Miami Dolphins. I'm sorry, I got that backwards. The Detroit Lions, then the Miami Dolphins. And I am shocked that the Dolphins are this bad. The Lions being this bad does not surprise me whatsoever. Yeah. It's, it's a, real quick, because oh, the Rams played the uh, the Lions, so it was kind of like the uh, Stafford Golf Bowl there or whatever, sure. right? So clearly the Rams made out and that whole thing, right? So I mean, I think that was obvious from the get-go. And Stafford's always been good. I mean, he always had this, uh, you know, loser tag, because he, I think because he played in Detroit. Because I mean, they could he, never put anything around yeah. him that was u- that was useful. It was amazing. Like, they had always had really good offenses. Their defense somehow was historically bad every single year. I mean, how, how great must have his day been when all of a sudden he, he got, he's looking at his wide receiver core and his offense, and he's like, okay, let's go. Right? Let's do this yeah. thing. <laughs> and so he still can throw it. So, right. uh, yeah, keep going. And he can still sling it. Uh, sure. the, the fifth worst How team. How good is Cooper Cup, by the way? Um, amazing. Yeah. Okay. And I don't, Sorry. Like, I keep interrupting. That's okay. You're allowed. Um, and then the fifth worst team. I'm sticking with the Falcons. I, I thought about keeping the Giants in there. It came down to Giants Falcons. Um, you haven't mentioned the Houston Texans, no? I probably should. You're right. They're terrible. All right. Let's scrap it. We're going with the Texans. Okay. All the <laughs> show to... research gone to waste <laughs> from one I don't know. comment. They're just so bad. They are. They're terrible. Uh, and the Falcons and the Giants both won. And the Giants won, not like convincingly, but defensively, that was that was impressive. Yeah. I actually had the game out, um, and somebody walked by and was like, wait, the Giants are winning. It was a Giants fan. So, like, he was very uh, perplexed at the score. So, um, yeah, I guess that, uh, I don't know, so less than spectacular week seven in the NFL. I mean, just kind of a ho-hum week. I don't know. A lot of. I guess because my team and your team are off, maybe that's why. I don't know. I felt like well, I really, I wasn't, I really wasn't engaged in the off. NFL this week. Right. Like, the, the Cowboys weren't playing. The Bills weren't playing. Like, a lot of the interesting teams weren't there. And then, uh, no disrespect to your Steelers. They are interesting. They're terrible. But they're not good. And I think for the other part of it, it was even the cl- the close games, like the exciting games, were between bad teams. Yeah. Like, who? Ca- all right, great. The, the Falcons edge out the Dolphins in a game that nobody is going to remember except those respective fan bases in one year. Yeah. Like, the Titans-Bills game last Monday night, which we didn't talk about because it was Monday night, was a phenomenal football game. It was unbelievable. I'm sorry the Bills came out on the wrong end of it, but that is a game that is going to have an impact later in the year for both teams. Yeah. So I was, I was sad it went that way, but... It was still a great game. There was none of that this weekend. There was nothing yeah. that everybody's talking about, like, holy crap, can you believe? Yeah. And I think now it's just a little bit of sadness of, can the Chiefs write this ship? Yeah, I think that's kind of the, we'll keep our radar in there. Let's talk a little bit more sports, but Australian Open, tennis. Huge fan. Tennis, anyone? Huge fan. Did I ever tell you I once traded smoothies for tennis lessons? You you did not. Well, there you go. And now, now you, know. you have. Now you know. <laughs> Good to know. How'd the tennis lessons go? Uh, tennis was great. So, uh, I had a local, it was a local college, uh, the men's coach for a local college was, uh, taught lessons at this, uh, venue that I worked at and, uh, we made this arrangement and he taught me less. You know what the greatest thing he ever told me? I, I tried to take this to my, uh, golf game as well. So he, t- he tells me that 
and we would have these lessons and whatnot. And, you know, I, I like to consider myself, uh, you know, I'm like, old, I'm like, uh, uh, Al Bundy. Like, sure. I feel like I could have been really good at things, but if I ever really done it, but I just have all these stories and this is one of my stories. So about tennis. And so I just like to swing hard. I wanted to hit, you know, as much top spin as I could. I just trying to hit shots, right? Like same thing in golf as I'm literally yep. just like, Oh, I wonder if I could pull this off. And so the same thing I do in tennis. Um, now tennis requires running or at least this bursting, if you will, uh, quick sure. lateral movements. Sure. Just to, if, if you're going to be good, I mean, it doesn't require it. You can just let the ball go by. But um, to be good at tennis, to have a rally, you need to be able to move around. So that's really my downfall. But other than that, I could swing hard, and I like to, you know, hit top spin and whatever. So my coach would, you know, let me play around long enough until then he would just start whacking them at me, and I couldn't do anything, and he would just kill me. And this guy's like 10 years older than me too, so he was just beating me up. Yep. Um, but he used to tell me, this is the advice that he used to tell me, that through circumstance, sometimes I would take long breaks in between lessons, right? And he'd be like, I'd come back, we'd have a lesson like three weeks later or something, I'd come back in, i start whacking it, I'm hitting it into the corner, sitting, everything great. And after a while, he'd be like, you play the best after we don't practice, right? So like, from long gaps, I don't know if it's like osmosis or something's kicking in, where I'm like long, like long I stay away, and then I come back when I'm on my game, right when I come back. Yeah. Doesn't work with golf. No. No, it doesn't. Let's talk about the Australian Open, much more important tennis. <laughs> That's a nice segue, though. <laughs> but where did you trade smoothies for tennis lessons? At the gym. Okay. There was the ten- There was a bunch of tennis courts at this gym, and I. So he used to come and get, he used to come and get smoothies from me, and then we figured it out. After a while, he got so many smoothies that I was like, "Hey, why don't you just give me tennis lessons?" Oh, there you out. go. Okay. Barter system. I like before bar- Bitcoin. So, um, let's talk Australian Open. So I was going to have a different uh, conversation, but uh, it turns out that we can t- tell now that the Australian Open is backing away from their mandate on the players to be vaccinated. Now, they're going to give them some kind of regiment and uh, testing, uh, quarantining, and a bunch of nonsense to go along with these things. But they will allow these players to participate, even though they are unvaccinated in the jail known as Australia. Is that, we can just call it Australia. How can you? How can we merge Australia and Alcatraz? Australia class. Yeah, sure. I wasn't going to try to say it. So yeah. Australia class. We got to figure it out because I that seems it. very appropriate. Um, a couple days ago, now this is uh, an article that I just read today, but a couple days before I read this article this morning, uh, the I don't know if it was the prime minister had basically come out and said, "Hey, we're not, you know, no no vaccine. You're not playing." And number one player in the world, uh, the Joker, Djokovic, Djokovic. Basically said, I'm not revealing my vaccinated status. You can go pound sand, basically. That's right? the better. <laughs> um, so apparently that was a big enough weight to, I'm assuming, I'm, I'm making an assumption here, and he was the, the, the most uh, uh, outspoken about this, so I'm going to give him credit, uh, where they caved. And I'm glad they did, and I hope this is... More of this to come, right? So I feel like we've talked about the NBA, we've talked about Cole Beasley, and we've talked about some of these uh, big name uh, people who have platforms. Who Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. Did you see the people tried to uh, storm the uh, the Brooklyn home game in in support of Kyrie? They all had like you know let Kyrie play signs, and they were all trying to get in the stadium. Awesome. Yeah. But no, I didn't see that. But yeah, that's cool. That's happened. I think a couple of days ago, uh, maybe yesterday. Um, but so progress here with. I mean, I, I'm going to call it progress regardless of what happens. This is freaking Australia. As we just pointed out, it's basically an island jail. Um, is this 
a sign of things to come and others will other athletes be able to push back enough you know they talked about some artists too some entertainers um but i think it needs to come from a bunch of different angles if we're ever really going to get out of this thing and full-blown like you know back to normal if you will which i know is a very pie in the sky probably uh uh goal to set but um i feel encouraged you i feel encouraged i think it just demonstrates more of the same principle, which is you will get what you accept. And if people just accept it, that's what you're going to keep getting. But if enough people stand up and say, no, I'm just not, I'm not doing this. And I, regardless of whether I am or am not vaccinated, my answer is no, because you have no right to do this. So 30, 35% of the men's uh, tennis tour is unvaccinated. Interesting. Like you compare that to the NFL, the NBA, that it seems like now, that's... mind you, there's no teams right here. Sure. So like, there's no contracts like that. They're all individual. Pl- they're all individual people. So there's no there's no there's pressure no being applied right, on right, me. Like, exactly, do it for right. the team. Right. There's no contracts like that. Right. These are all endorsement deals. Most of these right. players have, and then they just win their, their. I mean, they make way more money on their endorsement deals than they win right. in these these tournaments. Um, it's interesting. But they need the tournaments. But yeah, so 35 percent of the men's tour is uh, unvaccinated. And like I said, we talked about Novak Djokovic, who's the number one player in the world. Nine-time Australian Open champion, <laughs> you know, and if he's not going to show up, your your tournament is probably not the same. People right? will notice, right? So, um, I love on, it. Good, good on him. hero Djokovic. I'm uh, very excited, and like I said, I, I I do feel encouraged. I hope the this is. Can we pause for one second? Yeah. If you live in Australia and they come out with this rule, what is your response? Like, wait a minute. I can't leave my home, but apparently they're good to go and play tennis unvaccinated in a crowd of this arena with, and that's okay. I'm assuming they will. I mean, they've been kind of uh, exhibiting some unrest there for weeks here. So it's about time. I, and it's. I think this. I'd like to think that these are all uh, back to your phrase, chinks in the armor. Yes. And so hopefully this is just one more, and this armor is you know, eventually coming down here. So I don't know. Like I said, I, I look for silver linings cause I, I have said, I don't see a way out. And so maybe the way out just all happens at once where it's just literally just, you know, one final public pushback. And I, you know, maybe it's led by these athletes. That's all I can hope at this point. Amen. Um, let's talk about some of our other, uh, um, or at least my favorite topic, second maybe favorite topic behind your boy. Oh, the favorite one's coming, buddy. Bitcoin. Um, before we get into Bitcoin, let's. Did you do you own any uh, Trump stock? <laughs> no. <laughs> Isn't that thing weird? Yes, it's so, weird that that's a thing. I mean, it's, in hindsight, it's not weird at all, right? Yeah, I know it makes total. It sense. It makes total sense. So, if you guys don't know, this Digital World Acquisition Corp. Now, this is a, correct me if, I I didn't look into the details of this, but um, uh, DWAC, which is a, I'm going to read here, uh, special purpose acquisition company, um, is basically, this, I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal, says, this is essentially a pot of money raised from investors with the intention of finding a private company to buy. In this case, DWAC DWAC completed its initial public offering in September. Um, Sure. So, apparently, this is a... uh, want to be social media platform inspired by Donald Trump? Yeah. Yeah. Called Truth. Okay. Is that I I I'm I might be making that up. I, I could have sworn I read that. I don't know that you could be 100% right. I just don't know. I'm just skimming through some of this article here, but obviously the price action which was a bit crazy. It was like 
It went from like what five dollars to one hundred and seventy five dollars or something. It was up one hundred seventy five dollars at one point. Yeah, so it kind of reminded me of the uh, the GME uh, days where all of a sudden you were like, "What the hell is going on here?" Happened with support dot com. Happened yeah, so, with GMC. Somebody GME. somebody sent me the ticker and I was like, "Holy shit! What the hell is this?" But right. I didn't even realize it was had any affiliation to, to Donald Trump. Trump. I was just you know looking at the numbers, being like seven hundred fifty percent up. What the hell? So remember um, when Blockbuster Video went up by a thousand percent? That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> memes. Oh. We're living in a meme world. I know. Um, but so hopefully anybody out there who had some DWAC, uh, if you're uh, a fan of the show, please donate some money to the show with your winnings. How about that? Does that work? Well done. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Bitcoin. Because <laughs> we're so pro-Trump on this show. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't matter. We're pro-meme stocks. Fair enough. That's true. Um, I wish I had DWAZ, no? I mean, now, yeah. I wish I did. So let's talk about Bitcoin. Uh, since the last time we were on the air until now, we reached new all-time highs. We are now back below those all-time highs. I think we reached 66,999. Isn't it weird how sometimes they trade right on like these weird psychological things, like right on? A, 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 it's just computers, right? You think it's going to like hit a breakout at 69,420.69? Uh, I made a Facebook post about that. I don't know if you saw. So. Oh. Yes, that's what I did. I said, I can't wait for Bitcoin 69, 420, Because we are basically a nation of children at we're this memes. point. And we are idiots that we're would memes. absolutely set that as like a buy point. Even Elon posted something with like Bitcoin 69,000, Ethereum 4,200, right? Like it was, he, everybody's playing along. We're so children. We're all, in the, we're all in a meme world. Um, some real world things I thought was interesting about Bitcoin though. Did you know that Walmart, Yes, that Walmart is going to roll out Bitcoin ATMs. Only because you told me. 200 stores. Awesome. So I have a, 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 a ATM lifeline, good friend of mine who's in the uh, ATM business. So I asked him about that. He said a lot of the ATM machines are basically having the software installed that allows them to be able to flip over to Bitcoin. So Interesting. Um, I expect that to be more commonplace uh, going forward here, but... Walmart, a little bit, I don't know, out and ahead of the curve by any means, but it's going to be operated somehow through Coinstar. Oh, yeah. I did see so, that. So, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, what do we got? Where are we at Bitcoin right now today? 63.5? 63.5? I'm pretty good. Stellar Lumens right now. Sorry. Oh, well, I don't have that up. So I just have uh, Bitcoin there. So, all right. So hopefully everybody is uh, still hodling their Bitcoin and uh, all their other crypto because crypto seems to be up pretty good. Yeah, for sure. All right, here's my number one favorite story. I know. And this is disturbing. So Jeffrey Epstein, um, we know about his uh, New York City mansion. We know about his Palm Beach uh, mansion. I, mean, I think he has a some sweet-ass condo in uh, Paris as well. Yes. But I feel like the, the most disturbing of his properties is what is known as the Zorro Ranch in New Mexico. Okay. Have you ever seen pictures of this thing? No. Do I want to? Well, just, I mean, imagine you're in the, whatever, New Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever the desert-ish uh, plain of New Mexico, or just flat, flat. A lot of radiation uh, from the nuclear. A lot of uh, um, uh, barren wasteland looking areas. And then you're on this gigantic, like, rock peninsula. Mm Mm-hmm. And with a gorge like around it, which is basically like a serves as a moat around his mansion. So basically you can only come in through the one way unless you're going to freaking fly in whatever. Right. So there's only literally one way to this place. It's gigantic for whatever. They're trying to sell it for like twenty eight million dollars. Right. God, now. I wish I had that kind of money. 
Um, but this is where all the crazy stuff, the weird, like he wants to have a master race and he wants to have his DNA and clone, like whatever. This is where all this stuff was going on here. So this is where it's, it's pretty disturbing. Um, but anyway, somebody snuck out the, uh, blueprints. Ooh. So people have been able to look at the blueprints of this. And so there's like, Oh no. Three three rooms, I believe, that were the size of houses that were just computers and video cameras. That was just basically monitoring rooms. So the dude likes security. That's not weird. Very safe guy, for yes. sure. Very safe. Um, everybody around him was also very well protected. Um, not from him, but well protected from everybody else. Um, so it turns out, like this, I feel like, is the... Well, we got to do some crazy shit. We need to get out into the desert and do some crazy shit. And that's what this is the place. So, you know, I'm not sure that we're ever going to know what went out there because what we already know is probably just enough. uh, These crazy cloning, like that's where, you know, uh, what's her, Virginia Jeffrey, I think she said that, um, well, I feel like the prince was with her there at one time. So just for that record. But anyway, that she basically said that they were going to, you know, that's where she, the idea where they were going to, she was going to remember they wanted to uh, impregnate her, and she wanted her. They wanted her to sign away all the uh, parental rights. parental rights for yeah. the right. So it was going to be you know Jeffrey's baby or whatever, and that was going to be like they were going to start you know building again this master race. So I don't know if you have twenty eight million dollars. Oh, well, a party shower. That's nice. Oh, okay. That's totally normal. I'm not sure what you're referencing, but it's a piece in the Daily Mail. Okay, exclusive inside Jeffrey Epstein's New Mexico ranch. Jaw-dropping pictures show pedophiles eight-person party sh- shower, hmm. life-sized installation I mean, of a crucified of Jesus, and an underground strip club where teens would entertain VIP guests. Yeah, it's a Joe. The, the weirdest part of this, and then we'll move on. So at the bottom, as you go into the uh, the basement part of the the lowest level of this uh, room, and apparently this was supposedly done to try to intimidate uh, the young girls who were entering this uh, area. Um, a six-foot by six-foot oversized portrait of Ghislaine Maxwell, mm-hmm. pardon my language, with her legs fully spread, completely naked, and a golden dagger in her right hand was dead center in the elevator hallway. So when you walked out, when you walked out of the elevator, that was the very first thing you've seen, this gigantic six-foot by six-foot mural of naked Ghislaine Maxwell with a golden dagger in her leg spread out weirdos effing weirdos i got nothing right let's move on yeah that's gross um <laughs> what else are we got to talk about all right so i, I thought follow that, up from that let's go brandon let's go brandon all right so th- this i thought was funny i sent you this tweet i don't know you didn't respond to it but i'm sorry so the president biden when was this october 22nd 941 a.m this is a president uh, a presidential tweet from the potus account there's a video to go along with it, and you guys can check it out if you want to. But um, I'm just going to read the tweet. I'm fighting every day to pass my Build Back Better agenda for folks like Brandon. His story is like so many I've heard across the country. Folks are just looking for a fighting chance and to be treated with dignity and deserve, and what's my agenda is all about. So this is clearly a way for them to try to Spin. incorporate Brandon into their whatever so right. that when they start seeing these let's go Brandon chants that they're just going to point to this dude. Right. Right. This is literally a meme world. 
I mean, I think it's fantastic that they're trying this. Listen, I respect this move more than when they had some one of their sycophant journalists write a piece in a mainstream publication saying not only is chanting F Joe Biden um, rude and inconsiderate and dangerous, it may also be illegal, according to legal experts. (laughs) Like, no, it's not doesn't not even close. And then it's we've never seen this type of vitriol from people towards the president. And I'm going were you asleep the last four years or the four year, eight years before that? Like this ain't new I don't know. or the eight years before that. Like none of this is new. What's new is how comical it is. The fact that you have like, imagine this in a vacuum. I told you that there's going to be a Democrat president and that college football stadiums and colleges across the country were going to chant F this president's name repeatedly all across the nation. And you're going to get college-age kids to chant that multiple times around the country. What would your response have been? No way. It's, 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 this is literally the world we live in right now. Like, like things are backwards. Because if I told you, like, hey, there's going to be colleges across the country chanting F George Bush, you would have bought in. and been like, oh, I could see that. If I said about Barack Obama, you'd have been like, well, come on. If I said F Donald Trump, you'd be like, okay, I could see that. And now we got Joe Biden. And and then for that reporter down at the at the NASCAR race who came out with the, you can hear him chanting, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> and now all the college kids across the country have turned that into it. And now there's got, there's like three different let's go, Brandon songs. One, one of them. Number one in the country. Number one song in the country. YouTube banned it for medical misinformation. Yeah. Do you know how stupid that actually is? Like, who gets their medical information and advice from rap songs? Or country songs, or pop songs, or rock songs, or any other song. Like, think about I, what is actually. I'm in trying songs. to think of some Eminem lyrics that I probably could pull out oh, right now. That would <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. But like, you literally have songs fully allowed on YouTube that talk about yeah, just go do drugs, go smoke, go have promiscuous sex, go do whatever you want, and that's not that's perfectly okay. But a song, let's go, Brandon. They banned it off YouTube, and it skyrocketed the song to the number one in the charts. Like, something yeah. is so weird in our country right now, it's not even funny. But, so, this is literally just GME, right? But audio. It's literally just, a, and not specifically to the financial sector, but this is just a populist pushback to being, you know, shining light on YouTube in this case. Yes. And then and, and GME was on the financial setup, right? So, they're just shining light. The people are figuring that out. They're yes. figuring it out everywhere they look, and they're finding places to rally around the pushback, and it's always a freaking joke, which is great. Every time, and it's it's becoming a parody. Like, look, for is I, here's what I'm learning about the Let's Go Brandon movement and who's all involved with it. Donald Trump was probably the most polarizing president I could ever remember in my life, and that's saying something no because doubt. I actually have been following politics since yeah. I was a kid. No. And... Clinton was moderately polarizing. Bush was quite polarizing. Obama was a similar level of polarizing to Bush. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit more, but not much. And then... Yeah, Trump was at a different Trump way. was at a... Like, people hated him. But what was unique, what would, what made the balance was, other people really loved him. Like, people were... There was people firmly, and a lot of them. And, and like I said, maybe I've, and I'll let you go, but I, I've, I mentioned TDS. There's both TDSs, right? There's devotion yeah. syndrome and deranged syndrome. Correct. Both of them are just like, hey, we're all in. Now, some of the devotion system and some of the deranged syndrome are just, again, Response. the opposites yes. of whatever they were, you know, like 
there are people who hate the Democrats and left Snope so much, and 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 Trump was so good at poking at those that yep. didn't matter what that nope. dude was doing. They were that devotion was set in, and it was over. So, right. and the same thing on the derangement side. So you saw that. What's different about Biden, in my opinion, I can't find anybody in common parlance and common who I just come across that loves him. No, nobody. But the number of people who now are at the level of, if you join a chant screaming f the president like i hope that's not like just to be funny i maybe it is but it seems like at some level you wouldn't do that for a president you even kind of like let alone are really into like if you were big into obama you were not going to join a chant of f obama like it wasn't going to happen same with trump same with joe Biden, or same with george bush bill clinton whomever like you wouldn't join it there's so many people in on this, and there's so many people from across all different socioeconomic backgrounds, races, religions, creeds, colors, that are all in on this F. Joe Biden thing and this Let's Go Brandon thing, that it it makes me kind of curious of, so you guys just don't have a prayer in midterm elections. Like, this was your safe bet, and you're getting killed. And not for nothing, rightly so. Because he's terrible. Yeah, and like I said, his you know I was just trying to quickly find his approval rating, and it's I got forty three percent. I mean, it's like it almost it's dropping histor- historical, and it, every time they they release a new one, it's lower than the previous. Do so. you think this is not really related? But I just I was looking for an opportunity to like tweak this into the show, and this is as good as any. Do you think the fact that Anthony Fauci used your taxpayer money to fund the torture of dogs over in I think it was Malaysia? Do you think that'll affect Joe Biden's approval rating? Because that came out today. I- I'm guessing I if he I can't remember who him. said it, but I, I saw some place where like if it takes the people's uh, uh, like if puppies is the reason why we break out of this, I'm, I, whatever. I don't, I don't care, care what it is. I don't care what it is. I don't care. This is all it's dumb. sad that it's come to this. But if it's puppies that make people realize that, oh, you know what? Maybe Anthony Fauci's not like this really benevolent, magnanimous person who just has our best interest in arts. Maybe he is a bit of a sociopath that is okay with cutting the vocal cords on beagles and then having them get tortured in a way that they can't scream out and cry in pain because that was too bothersome to the researchers. And our taxpayers fund our, our money, ours. The money we paid in taxes went over and funded it. And who approved it? Oh, yeah. Lord Fauci. So I hope that does have a negative impact. That's how, that seemed worth mentioning. I don't have any other follow-up yeah. in. Like, no. You couldn't make a whole topic out of it. Yeah. But, oh, my God, people, wake up. Sorry. No, good. Um... Yeah, so if you guys want to uh, go get that song, what is it? Uh, Let's go, Brandon. I can't remember the freaking name of the song or the artist now. I think I just had it up here. Hold on, it's uh, Cameron Gray or something like that. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Let's go, Brandon. Sing- featuring it's Bryson Gray. Bryson Gray featuring Tyson James and Chandler Crump. So go check that out. Download, buy it, whatever. Yep. Whatever you want to do, promote that, support that, spread it, grow it. Let's go. <clears throat> all right. Um. All right. Let's talk about. I don't know, the big distraction, Alec Baldwin? Yeah. Killing a woman? Yeah. Um, so um, you guys already know this, so I'm not breaking any news here, but Alec Baldwin uh, shot and killed a woman on the set of his movie he's producing. Um, but a couple tidbits that have come out since then. There was an affidavit today <clears throat> which basically said that he was uh, practicing his holstering and draw today and that's and that or when it happened and that's when it happened 
<clears throat> and he basically fired at the cinematographer, killing her, and then the bullet went through her and hit the director behind, who was standing behind her, um, who went to the hospital. He is, he is fine, though. Uh, she is dead. Um, we talked about some just some stuff we probably should talk about is uh, <clears throat> basic gun safety. Uh, you would talk about that better than I, since I'm not a gun owner. Um, Me neither. I would like to think the government's that, listening. I would, boating accident. Boating accident. Those are the best. Um, I've had a boating accident. They're not that great. Not about that. But All anyway, right, so. Um, but I found it interesting that, or the. An interesting point was that there was this uh, pushback against the, the from the crew, basically. Apparently, a bunch of people walked, union people walked off for unsafe conditions, um, citing safety concerns. That gun in question had misfired multiple times previously before this. And it turns out that uh, one of the crew members or multiple crew members were using that gun for target practice with live ammo either hours or days before that shooting and therefore never replaced or had mixed up bullets and blanks and whatever, and therefore handing it to uh, actor guy, actor guy shoots uh, cinematographer girl. And here we have a story that has basically dominated the news for three days. Please give us some gun safety lessons. If you would share sure. to, to, to just so the folks uh, at home playing along uh, know what we're talking about and, I don't know how this goes forward, and but I feel like <clears throat> even the fact that it's an accident, unintentional on the movie set, like there should be accountability someplace because a live bullet went into a woman. Yeah. Um, so this is one of those things where you hear his explanation of you're practicing, you know, drawing and, and squeezing and, and shooting and whatever else. This is something where people that are not familiar with guns go, oh, I guess I could see how that could happen. And people that have been properly trained in guns go, there's no shot this should have ever happened. Zero percent. There's no excuse that you can say for how this happened without it being negligence at a bare minimum. Rule number one across all gun safety is treat every gun as if it's loaded. Treat every gun as if it is loaded with live bullets. That's rule number one across the board. Um, Closely after that is do not point a gun at anything you are not okay shooting. And the real language is that you intend to shoot. But if you're walking on a gun safety range and the targets are in front of you, even if you turn sideways to walk to your position, that gun needs to be aimed downrange at the targets at all point. Loaded, unloaded, broken apart, put together, doesn't matter. Blanks, live ammo, you never, ever, 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 ever aim a weapon at another person. Now, you are practicing drawing and holstering your shot, or your gun, excuse me. Makes sense. It's a good skill to practice. Number one. Why are you practicing with a magazine and that's loaded in the first place, but that's neither here nor there? Number two, why are you aiming it at people? That does not make any sense. That's a terrible skill to learn. And it's not like it, it, if it happened during the shooting of the movie or the, during the filming of the movie and he drew and he shot the other actor, that would be more understandable in my mind of, okay, somebody handed him a hot mag whose job it was to hand him one loaded with blanks and he shot the actor that he was supposed to be aiming and shooting at. There's no reason to aim at a cinematographer. There's, right, and so I will... Back up just on that point. So there was thought early on that he was purposely aiming at the camera because they were trying to get a shot of him aiming at the camera and okay. the cinematographer was behind the camera. Now, it doesn't seem like that is what's unfolding here. So right. people were wondering if they're making excuses and right, trying to justify right, it. You know, listen, I think they were just trying to understand it. Right. So they were like, hey, how, how could you, as you point out, why would you aim it at the camera? Yeah. And so 
I've I've seen some other movie people who are like, listen, that that, that scene happens a lot where you're pointing at the camera. You know, obviously there's not usually a live ammo involved, um, but they're trying to get a certain angle of the shot. Sure. And that's why they would aim the, aim it at the camera and the cinematographer behind the camera and the director behind the cinematographer. So it doesn't seem that that was the case other than those things were all alone. Maybe they were, maybe they were practicing the draw into line, the yeah. camera. I don't know. Um, maybe, but go ahead. Either way, it's from what I'm seeing, there's no way this should have happened. Like if that's the case, all right. But at the same time, uh, whoever the armorer on the film was, uh, how do you how are you intermixing blanks and and live ammo? That's just insanity across all board. How is the armor allowed to do this? And apparently, people did know this was happening, and some walked off the set. And if you're in charge of the movie, you have to stop that. Yeah, and he's the producer of the movie, Alec Baldwin. He's the the biggest name on that producer list. That's inherently dangerous. You don't do that. And look, I learned gun safety in the army where if you dared, if you mixed blanks and live ammo, you got shut down. Like it, it you were shut down until everything was fixed and they had an internal inspector general review of your entire operation. If you were on a range and you turned the wrong way with your weapon and it aimed at another human being, you got kicked in the head. I mean, this was not to be messed with. You just did not break these cardinal rules for the reason of any one of them can fail. And if you're following gun safety properly, even if one fails, nothing goes wrong because there's three iterations of what you should be doing to prevent this from happening. If you're ignoring all of them and then you're amazed that something went wrong, that's inexcusable. I, I like I don't have a better word for it. I guess we should wait for more details and more facts to come out, but this shouldn't have happened. Something went terribly wrong, and I don't know what to make of it. We'll have to wait for more details, but I guess here's my overall take, and it's a good reminder to the general population. Gun safety is unbelievably important. Do not mess around. If you don't know precisely what you are doing with a gun, go learn, because this is the kind of stuff that you take for granted, not thinking, well, if he thought it was blanks, it's okay that he aimed it at another person. No, it's not. If the gun he thought was empty, it's okay that he aimed at another person. No, it's not. Like, none of this is okay. All of these things are violations of basic gun safety, which Alec Baldwin is a pretty known anti-gun guy, like coming out against every Second Amendment rights activist there is. But if you're going to take that stance and then you're going to use them, you damn well better figure out how to do it safely. You cannot let this happen. Because... I was saying, this can't be his first set with a gun. No. Like, he's a seasoned actor. And he's been in a lot of movies where he fires guns. But all the same, it's... This is why Second Amendment's activists are so adamant about we're not telling every single person to just go buy a gun. We're telling you to learn how to use a gun, because if you don't and the day comes that you need to try one or you want to pick one up, you are an absolute threat to the safety of the people around you. If you don't know what you are doing, like things go wrong. That's why you have extra layers of prevention at every step of gun safety so that this exact situation does not happen. And it's a shame. And like I said, you know, we'll move on after that. But this is not the first time that, you know, we talk, a lot of people reference the uh, Brandon Lee death, which, you know, under a lot of similar circumstances, right? It was a on a movie set, a gun went off, it had a live round in it somehow, um, and he also was killed. So it's not like no one could ever have, this could ever have seen this coming. This was a first of its kind thing. So, like, there should have been things, basic stuff, as you already pointed out, that should have just be applied universally on all movie sets. And apparently um, there was a lack of oversight uh, in this regard resulting in uh, a woman's death. So um, I don't know if something else comes out of that story. We'll, uh, we'll fill you back in, but 
Um, it seems like everybody else is talking about that story enough. Not that everybody's not talking about our next story enough either. Um, They're talking ready about for, it wrong. You're talking about ready for boosters for life, Mr. Husong? Oh, my God. Boosters for life? Boosters for Every life. Every six months? I mean, you're not going to wait 11 which, months based which one's on this gonna end? Which one's going to end first, quantitative easing or boosters? Um, quantitative easing because they're going to run out of money. <laughs> They'll never run out of boosters. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so Pfizer on Thursday uh, reported its first efficacy results uh, from a random contr- a randomized controlled study. Uh, said that the uh, you know, third, third shot restored protection to levels seen after the second dose. What happened what say to the, you, Mr. Husong? Well, I guess, what does the word restored mean? Um, they uh, Give it means, back? Yeah. Um, something was lost and then found again? Bring it back, something that was lost. Yes. Mm. Not given, like, all new immunity. It was, you lost the immunity over this period of time, and now they had to give it back to you, because it turns out these non-sterilizing vaccines that don't prevent you from spreading it, don't prevent you from catching it, but only minimize your hospitalization and death rates... <laughs> Also wane greatly over the over six months, and as time goes on, it picks up. So, look, number one, let's let's look at the the setup of the trial. All right, and this is something where I'm I'm very concerned about what came out of this data that nobody's talking about, and I'm not smart enough to understand it. I'm not smart enough to give you an explanation for why. I just have questions for smart people who can come back and answer this because something seems off to me. So 10,000 people in this trial, all age 16 and over, and the median time between the second dose and the booster was 11 months, roughly. Uh, They measured it again as symptomatic COVID seven days after the booster shot was administered. So again, automatic red flag, in my opinion, is if you're not even tracking who got COVID within seven days of getting the booster, even if you want to count it separately, fine, it should still be counted. Because if somebody's in the placebo group and they get COVID in that time frame, that counts. But if you give it to somebody and they get the actual vaccine, so if let's say the people that got the vaccine had five times higher instance of COVID in the seven days post-shot compared to the placebo, isn't that information we would want? But that's neither here nor there because we're never going to get it. We never got it from the initial vaccine trial. We're not going to get it from this trial because as it turns out, Pfizer, Moderna, and all these other companies, maybe not the most ethically run companies in the world. Who knew? All right, and so then they followed up after two and a half months to see what was going on. So the whole study period is between seven days post-booster shot and two and a half months as a median time frame, so figure about three months. And they said their uh, their vaccine booster shot is 94.5% effective against COVID disease, not hospitalizations, not deaths. So let's not let this goalpost shifting happen again. Their claim is 95% effective against COVID disease itself, which in their scenario is defined as a positive COVID test along with symptoms together. So case. A case of COVID, not disease, not severe, not hospitalized, and not dead. That's the claim. So first off, if something is now 95% effective and it's all vaccinated people that you're comparing it to, can we safely assume that the vaccine is coming closer and closer to useless 11 months after you get vaccinated? Uh, cl- it's, it's approaching useless. It's coming close, so I don't know why we would think that will suddenly stop and turn around because that's the way the data has been indicating literally since month two. 
Month two, it got worse. Month three, it got worse. Then in the fourth, it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But we think month 13, it's going to turn around. I mean, I don't rule anything out, I guess. So that's should be of a concern. And right on cue, Dr. Walensky, the head of the CDC and quite possibly the most evil woman in America, uh, has come out and said... Hillary is still alive, just for the record. I thought about that exact thing as I was saying it, and I was like, maybe it's not, but we'll see. Time will tell. Um, as is Ghislaine Maxwell, by the way, uh, just for the you, record. You win. Sorry. That's okay. Third most, whatever. All right. Rounds. So... In this scenario, she came out and said, as of right now, if you received your two doses, you still count as fully vaccinated, but we're going to look at updating that in the future. Meaning she already knows what's coming. And that is going to be if you got your two doses, you did your patriotic duty and you stood up for the person next to you and you got your vaccine to keep us all safe and to bring normalcy back. That's not good enough. You don't count anymore. You're not done. Already doesn't count in Israel. It's heading this way soon, folks. And I think somebody talked about that like three months ago, that that was what was coming here. It's weird how we're like four months ahead on everything. It's really odd. And we probably put this up there, but this is a good time to bring out. So when do you think that the folks with the third shot are going to turn on those with the second shot with only two shots? Like two and a half months from now. Okay. Well, so let's say January. Okay. Right around January because we're going to be peak COVID at that point, And they're going to be pissed off because it's the people with only two shots instead of three that are going to be at fault. So anyways, now at least I'll have, they'll, I'll, they'll have to sp- spread out the blame. It won't just be me. Exactly. Now there's going to be more because I listen. I've talked to multiple people that have basically said, "F this." I, they got me twice. I am not doing this again. No, they. I was lied to, and I'm out. Like I get it. I'm not telling you to do it or not to do because I don't know what the long term ramifications are. If you only get two shots, are you more susceptible to other things? Are you more susceptible to COVID? We don't know any of this yet. So I don't. I'm not advising anybody on what to do. All I'm saying is so there's something off with the data that we're seeing out of the out of the trial. Now. That's weird that apparently this vaccine is useless after 11 or 12 months and that all these people are getting COVID. What was more concerning to me, and I went to social media to see if I could get anybody to answer this, is the total positivity rate is higher in the group in the test that was made up completely of vaccinated people. All right? So the initial trial that was done last year, they had a... Positivity rate, how many people tested positive with symptomatic COVID? Um, the vaccinated group had a 0.036%, placebo 0.75, for a total of 0.4% of the people tested positive. In the, vac- in the booster trial, which is, again, all people that have received two vaccines compared to all the people that had not received any vaccines at the beginning, the uh, overall, the placebo group, had an increased positivity of 191%. The people that got their boosters compared to the people that got vaccinated, overall positivity rate was 178% higher. And I guess this is the number I want to focus on, overall positivity rate for the trial. In the initial vaccine, a total of 0.4% of the people involved tested positive for COVID, 0.4. In this trial, It was 1.14. That's 185% increase. That's almost three times as many people tested positive with symptomatic COVID in this test compared to the trial for the original vaccine. That's weird. Like, that does not make a lot of sense to me. I don't even have a good explanation for you. And what's even sadder is I know both trials are undercounting because they're not counting vaccinated people that get symptomatic COVID seven days. And I've seen other stats that indicate 14 days post-second shot or post-booster shot. So it's probably higher in both cases. Um, 
What is happening? And I feel like that one to two weeks, I want to interject uh, uh, a comment. I don't know if you read this. I sent it to you. I did. Uh, I did from uh, Kevin McKernan. Yep. So he, th- I, I just happened to be stumbled across a conversation he was having with somebody else. Um, and uh, somebody had asked him some questions. And I'm just going to read his reply. There's two links in here. Um, I'll share it on the uh, Facebook page, uh, the Sports Clicks and Politics Facebook page. Uh, actually, I'll do that right now. Um, but I want to read it. Yep. Um, just straight. Uh, the Pfizer and AstraZeneca trials both demonstrated, and I, I may butcher these names, but neurotropenia or neutropenia and lymphocytopenia for one or two weeks post-jab. So this is the uh, Pfizer and AstraZeneca trials. Both demonstrated neutropenia and lymphocytopenia for one to two weeks post-jab. And then he goes on. The Vax, <clears throat> the Vax companies hid this by only calculating Vax effi- uh, efficiency for the people two weeks post-second dose. Uh, their own data shows negative vaccine efficacy between jab one and two. That is, uh, This is a suppression of white blood cells. This... Ex- this exposes you to other viruses and reemergence of dormant viruses like shingles, herpes, and Epstein-Barr, which is mono, and cancer. Uh, many vaccines, adjuvant lower white blood cells, counts temporarily. The unique aspect of these vaccines is their mRNA is encoded with pseudoriodine. Thank you. You're which welcome. abates an innate immune system even further. So I think piggybacking on what you were kind of pointing out here is that they're purposely leaving out this window because they know that the data is so bad during this window that it would skew all data going forward. Nobody would care. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's what it looks like. And I guess this fits into my overall question, but it also doesn't answer it of both trials had that both trials covered up that data. They hit it. And you know, I don't really blame Pfizer or Moderna or or Johnson and Johnson for covering up that data. I don't, they are evil companies that this is what they do. They want to make profits and they're going to present things in the most favorable light. My issue remains with the CDC, FDA, NIAD, NHI, like you guys are in a role meant to protect the population from these people. And you don't instead you rubber stamp, whatever they want. Like Pfizer came in for the initial booster shot data and they got almost laughed out of the room because they brought in data consisting of 300 people and wanted to give boosters to everybody across the board. And the FDA expert panel said, no, that's nuts. So instead we're only going to authorize it for people that are 65 and older. And for people that are at severe uh, increased risk of a severe COVID negative outcome. The FDA turned that into anybody who's overweight can get it. You don't even need to be obese. Anybody, anybody over the age of 16, if you're overweight, if you're a school teacher, if you're a nurse, if you work in manufacturing. So they're not looking out to protect us. They are looking at how are they going to maximize the profits for Pfizer and Moderna, apparently. And that's my issue is your job is to call this out is when they do this, you're supposed to be the one. You're supposed to be the experts that stand up for us and go, no, 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 that's nonsensical. That's crazy talk. We're not going to let that happen. Yeah, well, that's just, you know, as uh, our boy Brett Weinstein likes to say, they're captured, right? So, Oh, for sure. And that's what's depressing about all of this is I don't know how to make sense of the data I'm seeing. Immunosuppressant does make sense that it's going to keep happening. What... What I'm not sure about is, well, what's going to happen if they continue giving booster shots? 
Uh, next week, we're going to dive into... I didn't even tell you this, but I'm almost ready to do Is it. Is this the Moderna stuff? Oh, yeah, we're going okay. in. All we're right. go, we're going I'm in ready. on the background of Moderna, and it's deeply unsettling, to say the least. And look, I don't want to tell you this information any more than you want to hear it, but I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't exist. It's it's concerning. Doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. Doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong with the vaccine. But there's a lot of things that you have to overlook to get on board with this Moderna's this benevolent company that's just trying to help the world. Mode RNA. The um, mode RNA. So back to this immediate conversation. Yeah. Something is off because if you're looking at this data as objectively as possible, it means getting your two dose vaccine has absolutely no impact a year later. You might as well not have gotten it. So if you have no protection, there's a window of time where you're actually more immunocompromised than you would otherwise be. And then they're going to give you a booster shot, which they said that the, the safety data matches up that with what they had in the initial vaccine, which to remind everybody, we will not even have initial long term safety data until March of next year or excuse me, October of next year is when they're going to complete the safety trial. Then by the time it's published, you're going to be lucky to have it by December 2022. So the time for Christmas holiday season. I'm not telling anybody to get it or not get it, but this is information that you should know when you're making this decision. Oh, they're going to, they're going to approve these boosters. And are we expecting that this is going to be the shot that makes it hold forever? Is that what Dr. Gupta is going to tell us? Like, well, you get a, a primer and then a booster. Yeah. That's why the first two shots were there. Why do we need a primer and then a booster and a booster? Well, talk about our, vaccine, our hometown, Dr. Gupta. No, Dr. Oh. Sanjay Gupta okay, yes. from Atlanta. Um, why are we going to assume that this is going to turn around now? Like, that's crazy. Well, the polio vaccine took four iterations. Sure, but that was a sterilizing vaccine that was different on, on a lot of levels. Um, there's no indication that this is going to turn around. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, we, we can elaborate more next week, but the safety record of mRNA vaccines is the more you get them, the worse they are. So That's not even true of, of vaccines. But that's true of mRNA in general. They didn't yeah. start out trying to sell vaccines, right. folks. Vaccines historically are a low profitability, highly competitive field that companies want to stay away from if they want to make a lot of money. Yeah, but they ran into some problems, and let's just say, I'm not going to tease too much, there's a reason they went into vaccines five years ago. And not and out of therapeutics, right? Yeah. Right. There's a reason they got away from having to do treatments where they were giving people repeated doses of mRNA and wanted to get into vaccines where they believed it would be one and done. There's a reason. All right. Now, this is disconcerting of the booster trial that everybody's cheering this like it's good news and people can't wait to go get their booster shot. For the love of God, stop being brand ambassadors for Pfizer. Stop. It's crazy. Ask a question at some point. Have some skepticism to say, well, it's a variant. That's what's causing it. Really? Because last I checked, the Delta variant was roughly two times as transmissive as the initial strain. Not three times. Not three times. And by the way, if that's what your claim is, that it's entirely because of that, then you're acknowledging that the vaccine is essentially useless compared when it comes to Delta, which is the predominant strain. So why should anybody get vaccinated? Because if that, all that data for the initial data was all on the original, not even the alpha variant, but the original COVID, and Delta is so transmissive that it actually matches up identically with how much more prone you are, it means it's useless. Why should anybody get vaccinated? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to answer that question. Um, all right. And let's piggyback this and end on even probably more disturbing uh, COVID vaccine news. So <clears throat> starting October 20th, which was what last couple Thursday? days ago. Yeah. A couple days ago. Um, states 
will be able to pre-order doses of the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine formulated for children ages 5 to 11. Um, I have seen our local uh, health department. The Onondaga County Health Department has sent out a survey to local school districts seeking feedback from parents, Mr. Hughesong. Um, as a parent of kids between the ages of 5 and 11, what sayeth you, Mr. Expert, on kid vaccines? Why? Why? I, literally the best question that there is. Right. So let's not let's not forget again, folks. These are not fully approved vaccines. They are on emergency use authorization. Yes, I know Pfizer has their Cormorant Hardy or whatever it is that's fully approved. Try to get that vaccine in America. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, and, I, and we haven't talked about this too, but many people have made this point that uh, there is a legal distinction between the vaccine being used under the EUA and the one that was FDA approved purposefully, I believe. And it's not like we have the new one. They're giving the old one. They're giving the legally distinct different version than the approved one. And they're mandating it. Isn't that weird that they've got this one that allegedly has passed all the full safety trials and met every parameter of that stringent FDA full approval. And yet you can't get it in the United States of America. Yeah, anyway. And, and this would be a good time to also issue the reminder that there is no federal mandate for vaccines on private employees of private companies. So <laughs> these companies who are, <clears throat> excuse me, in, implemented these vaccine mandates on their employees are doing so just under the cover of this uh, approval status that was not actually granted to the vaccines being given to their employees. True. So weird. Now let's get back into why it makes no sense for kids five yes. to eleven to get vaccinated. Did you, you got the survey? Yeah, I got it. Okay, I filled it out. I filled it out too. Yeah, and if you haven't, please ask us. We'll send you a copy. Please send it out and please fill it out and tell these people that they're insane. So let's talk kids five to eleven and emergency use authorization for a COVID nineteen vaccine. My first question is: What is the emergency for kids five to eleven? Kids 5 to 11 are at statistically 0% risk of dying of COVID-19, all right? There have been a handful of deaths across the country. Almost all of them were in children that were immunocompromised or had such significant comorbidities that it's hard to fathom. Like, it, they're the kids who would be at risk of dying of the flu as well. So COVID doesn't pose a special threat to children, not at all. Number two, the risk of severe hospitalization Severe symptoms or hospitalization for children 5 to 11 is near zero. It's closer to zero than it is to 1%. It is so minute of a risk that to discuss it with a straight face is hard. I'm not saying it never happens. I'm saying it's a bolt of lightning. And please don't send me something conflating RSV with COVID. Please don't. I know. Kids have gotten RSV forever. Kids have died from RSV forever. That's been happening. I'm not, I'm not arguing that it's not. It does happen. But it doesn't happen with COVID. It just doesn't. I'm sorry. I, I guess I'm not sorry. It's great news that kids. And now the last thing, and this is my favorite. Well, we've got to do it so kids don't spread it to their vulnerable adults accidentally. Okay. This fails the logic test on three different levels. So let's start with the easiest one first. Asymptomatic spread is so exceedingly rare that it's hard to quantify. 
it is well below 1% of all transmission actually occurs because of or through asymptomatic spread. So if your kid does have COVID and they have symptoms, I don't know, keep them away from the vulnerable adults in your life while they are symptomatic and maybe two days later, three days later. That would be number one. Number two, the vaccines don't stop you from spreading the virus. Let me reiterate that. The vaccines don't stop you from spreading the virus. In fact, it may cause more asymptomatic spread to become possible because they have the same viral load, but their symptoms are suppressed. Normally, your body develops symptoms as a means of fighting this off and to let you know, hey, you're sick. Don't go around other people. But if you don't have the symptoms and you have the same capacity for viral shedding and for spread, that seems like maybe that's a bad combination. So that's number two. Number three, unvaccinated children do not and have not spread COVID to adults with any meaningful efficacy whatsoever. Can it happen? Sure. It's a bolt of lightning. It doesn't happen often. It rarely, if ever, happens because, again, children are very unlikely to get symptoms. Children are very unlikely to be negatively affected by this, by this virus, which is all good news, and yet people lose their mind when you point this out to them. People lose their mind like it's bad news somehow. So kids don't spread it to adults. Asymptomatic spread is exceedingly rare, and the vaccine doesn't stop you from spreading it anyway. Oh, and any the only claims that they can make about benefits of the vaccine after five or six months is it's less likely to die and less likely to get severely ho- ill or hospitalized. So children are already at 0.02% risk of hospitalization. If I cut that in half, who cares? Taking something from a 1 in 2 million chance to a 1 in 1 million chance does not have any meaningful statistical impact. It's nonsense. Now, the fact that they're even considering approving this vaccine for kids 5 to 11 is insane. Because, and they keep, this is where I get really, really angry. They keep manipulating the wording and manipulating the data to scare you into thinking this is necessary. They'll never come out and tell you what the childhood hospitalization rate is. Instead, they'll say it's three times higher than it was in the summer. Fun with words. Right. Notice, again, oh, this is my favorite part. The vaccine, the, the trials that they came out with, Pfizer produced, that said we should, we should give this to kids. And what was the stated benefit? Please note, you'll not find anywhere where they indicate, not from Pfizer, where they will say, there was a correlated decrease in COVID-19 in children who were given the vaccine compared to children that were in the placebo group. It does not exist. The only benefit they will claim is that there is an increased antibody response in the vaccinated children, and the safety profile matches that of the children ages 12 to, I think, 22. So there are risks. Myocarditis is happening to kids who get this vaccine. There are neurological conditions that are starting to be linked with the vaccine. Also, I think this is the scariest part. Where do you go if you get if you think you've got an adverse reaction from the vaccine? What do you do? You go to VAERS or you go to your doctor. To report it, right. Yeah. Right. VAERS is incredibly unreliable. My issue is that's all we got. We're not tracking these anywhere else. VAERS is it. Other than that, you know what it says? If you Google, what do I do? VAERS is the first. The next thing is call Moderna or Pfizer and tell them directly. Oh, they'll disclose the information. That'll go well. Yeah, just like the old, less than 1% of all people get addicted to Oxycontin. Right, guys? So, looking at this as objectively as I can, this is nuts. They're coming out and saying, well, child hospitalizations are on the rise. Again, 
one in two million to one in a million is not a statistically significant increase. Number two, conflating the data surrounding RSV in children, which has gone a huge increase because, I don't know, we kept kids away from each other for a full year and therefore had their immune system be suppressed. Might have something to do with it. Oh, and I don't know, maybe because we vaccinated a bunch of 12 to 16-year-old kids and had them have that period of immunosuppression just as they were about to go back to school. That could have been bad for RSV. All right. You're waking way too sense. Uh, yeah, that's the problem. So all this being equal, it doesn't stop them from spreading it to begin with. So that, that, that take it off the table. The kids that are now being, they're lying. They're lying and lying and they're lying because what is the benefit, somebody please explain this to me, of getting a child, of getting a child increased antibodies to a virus that poses them zero threat whatsoever? Please somebody walk me through the benefit of why you would do this. Um, I bet the board members at Pfizer could give you a couple of benefits. Oh, you mean former FDA chair, Dr. Scott saying, Atlas? Yeah, the benefits are best of what you're for benefiting bottom line. It, hugely. And this is the problem. Guys, ask a question. Have some skepticism. This makes no sense. If you want to say, all right, we're going to do an emergency use authorization for kids 5 to 11 with severe, severe, comorbidity or increased risk for a negative outcome from COVID, I'll have that conversation. I'm not even saying I could get on board, but I like you're talking about one in a million children. Like, yes, that one I would understand. Across the board, you stop scaring the crap out of people. If you want to approve emergency use authorization so that adults can make the right decision for their children, cool. Give them real information. Give us accurate data. Stop selling the vaccine to us for the sake of the pharmaceutical companies because this is nuts. When you come out and try to act as if increased antibody response is a meaningful indicator of decreased COVID in children, you are lying. There is a reason that you won't come out and say. You want to know what the real reason is? Because when they tested this thing on kids 5 to 11, so few kids in the control group developed COVID that finding any meaningful decrease was impossible. Guys, that's real. And now let's talk about that one to two weeks in between shots and then post-second shot. More kids get COVID from the vaccine then? We're never going to know. Is it impossible? Nope. It's entirely possible. Some would even call it likely. I'm not smart enough to comment on it, but it seems like a concern that we should want the answer to. Looking at all of this, I don't understand how in the world you could want or cheer and every school administrator I talk to, every principal, everybody is like, man, I can't wait till these kids get vaccinated. And I'm looking back at them like, you're a moron. I know you're scared and I try not to name call. I, I give parents a much more pass than I do the people that are actually in charge. You want all the, like, the ego and pride and all the bells and whistles that come with leadership? Good. That means you have a responsibility and a duty then. A parent is not going to have to do all this research to figure out the impact of COVID in schools and on kids. That's your job as, as the administrator. If you're going to require it for different things in your school, you damn well better take the time to do the research and figure out what you're saying. All right, parents, I kind of understand, like we're doing our best to understand all this and people don't want to hear it. But the truth is the truth. No decrease in COVID-19 for kids 5 to 11. Zero. Immeasurable decrease. No significant, no, not even necessarily a decrease at all. And it could have been an increase if we were keeping accurate data. We have no idea. The vaccine is useless 11 months later anyway, and they're going to require booster shots forever. There are significant side effects, and they do seem to disproportionately affect younger people out of those that are approved for the vaccine right now than they do older people. And the vaccine doesn't stop spread. 
there is a very brief window of time where it may slightly decrease. They don't even know that for sure. Like, the way they use word salad to mislead and misinform people to convince them that they are somehow an irresponsible parent if you don't run out and get your 11-year-old child jabbed the second it's available is evil. It is so wrong, I have no better word for it. If you want to do an emergency use authorization, cool. At least give people the real information to let them make a balanced decision and stop selling us propaganda to benefit the pharmaceutical companies. This is insane. Can I manage your school board campaign? Ah, crap. Sure. Excellent. (laughs) Gotta hone my skills. All right, well, on that note, Mr. Hughesong, Thank you for all your uh, efforts. Um, Anything you would like to leave the folks with on this glorious Monday before we uh, let them go for a week? Yeah, don't go quietly on this. Go to your school boards and go to your PTAs and go to everybody and let it be heard. Absolutely not. And you may have heard you'll no longer be labeled a domestic terrorist. Yay! Just for standing up for your kids. Right. And listen, I'm not even telling you again. If you look at all the objective data and decide to get your kid vaccinated, cool. I disagree with you, but that's the beauty of this country is you're allowed and I'm allowed. We don't have to see eye to eye. We don't have to agree. But if you're okay with the CDC and the FDA misrepresenting data to convince you of something that to do to your children, if you're okay with that, I don't understand who you are as a human being. I don't understand how you get to that point where you are willing to place such blind faith in people that have done nothing but lie, mislead, and misdirect you for at least the last 18 months, and that's ignoring the history of how long did it take them to say, huh, maybe Oxycontin's bad. I don't know. Listen, there's literally a mass psychosis going on. So Right. How long did it take the FDA to step in and like point out when other drugs are like, man, this is, this is like killing people. We, we should probably do something. It's yeah. sick. Yeah. Guys, ask some questions, have some skepticism, and accept the fact that maybe these people do not have your best interest at heart. Maybe if it happens to be good for you, that's a wonderful side effect. But it's not the goal. Yeah. Okay. I think we uh, filled your brain with some stuff enough today to uh, let you go for a week. Uh, we will be back here again next Monday for episode 72. I don't know what that means. No significance there to me. The rule of 72 is a very important thing when you're talking about uh, compound returns. Well, then, I guess we'll uh, add that to the show notes. No, we won't. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Um, Again, if you can uh, do us a favor and uh, support the show, you can do that by uh, free. You can do that just by liking and sharing the video, subscribing to the channel. Um, You could also support us financially. If you want to check that link I left in the uh, chat there, you can go to uh, our our, our site there and uh, become a uh, one-time or recurring uh, member for the show. So, On that note, we will let you all go for a week. We'll see you all next Monday for uh, episode uh, 72. And on that note, enjoy your week.